0: Hello, peaceful parents. Welcome to Parenting Our Future podcast. I'm Robin McMahon, and on today's episode, I'm going to be talking to you about when is it okay to push your kids? So how many of you struggle getting out the door in the morning, especially when we've got schedules, we've got school to get to, and we've got a timeline, we got to get kids out the door and the clock is ticking and it feels like the clock is often working against us. Well, I know a lot of parents that really want to make sure that their kids are independent, especially at this time. And that often means that they're pushing their kids to brush their own teeth, get their own hair brushed, and get their own clothes ready, and tie their own shoes, and get their jackets on, right? And sometimes this encouragement ends up in conflict because, let's face it, our kids are distractible, they are distracted, and we need to remind them. And remind them and remind them and this reminding and repeating and repeating leads us from going from gentle reminders to agitated angry yelling reminders right it's easy to lose our temper with so much going on and the closer we get to the clock being against us and the closer we get to having to leave the house we get angrier and angrier because we get so anxious so It just seems like mornings are a battle every single day. Now, in a recent podcast that I had with Dr. Vanessa LaPointe, we talked about how our kids being dependent on us allows them to be independent. What a cool concept. Our kids being dependent on us allows them to be independent. So I really wanted to take a look at this and break this down because the reality is is that we get stressed and worried about where our kids are at in terms of what they can and can't do that we actually lose our objectivity which means we can't see that our kids need to take the time to learn these skills and we're just so busy pushing them to get things done that we're actually getting in the way of their natural development. So for example, you could be saying to yourself, okay, now that my child is five and he's in school, he needs to tie his shoes every single day. And you've gotten him to practice multiple times, he's watched videos on how to tie his shoes, and then in the morning, because you need to make sure that he's getting this done, you stand over him and you say, okay, let's go, you have gotta tie your shoes, let's go, we gotta go, we gotta go. And all the while you're thinking, you better be able to tie your shoes now, because I don't want you to be that kid in grade three, four, or five that can't tie his shoes, right, and you know that if you address this now, then you're not gonna have to keep doing this for the next four years, let's say. So you learn now, so you don't have to do that later. Well, there's some problems with that thinking. One is you didn't take into consideration that your child's development is at play here, and, if this is something that you should even be pushing at this age. I know you don't want to have a 13-year-old whose shoes you're still tying, but it's actually counterproductive to stress at an early age versus helping them when they need it. So let me explain. If your child depends on you and knows that you're there for them and knows that you support them and that you can meet them where they are in terms of their development, guess what? They can relax and just let development naturally unfold because it will. And parents out there, we have to trust that development will unfold. It absolutely will. We don't have to force it along. And soon your child, if you're helping them, is soon your child's gonna say, I, don't need you to tie my shoes, mom. And I got my jacket on my own. And mom, dad, you don't need to carry my bag. I'm a big girl now, or I'm a big boy now. I've got this. And what we say at that time is we say, yep, sounds good. Here you go. And that will happen at the exact right time it's supposed to for your child. Now, don't think that I don't understand how rushed mornings are. I have crazy mornings too, but leaving kids who are too young to get things done for themselves can make mornings crazier. When I'm working with my clients, I put it this way. I always say, look, you got to put the effort in on the front end so you don't have the conflict on the back end. And really what I'm saying is, is that help your child with what they need, where they need it help them along, connect with them and work with them. So you don't have to leave the house yelling and crying. (laughs) Either of you, I know I've left my house yelling and crying and I used to ignore my neighbors because I thought for sure they thought I was the worst mom ever because I was always yelling at my kids in the garage, getting them out the door, trying to get them out the door. And there just is such a better way. And so now I connect with them. I take their development in... In consideration and we get out the door a lot more peacefully and with so much more harmony it's not always perfect but we definitely definitely helps us so the thing too is that there are times where we do need to challenge our children to really go beyond themselves and there are other times that like I've said we genuinely need to provide a cushion of safety for them So in the book, Yes Brain, by Dr. Dan Siegel, he calls this push-in and cushion. So I thought this was a really fun concept that I wanted to share with you. So when do we push? There are times that our kids need to challenge us to go beyond themselves and remove that self-imposed bubble wrap that they put around them and ask them to risk facing challenges that they're not used to. That's the pushing part and challenging them allowing them to develop resilience and strength and toughness and grit here you're helping them push the envelope but you're not physically pushing them into danger and here's the thing when we step in and rescue them we rescue them from a problem that they can handle their own we actually short-circuit their opportunity to learn how to address a difficult issue or understand their capacity to handle the hard stuff. So to give you an example, my son, who when he first played baseball, he was with a bunch of kids that had played for a few years and he came in never having played before and he was upset because the coach always put him at the bottom of the batting order. Well, you can kind of understand why the coach would do that, but he really wanted to address this issue, and he's t- he was 10 at the time, and we felt that we could push him and encourage him to talk to his coach on his own, to show him that he can question an adult with both res- respect and strength. Strength because it was hard to do, but he did it. And now he learned that he can speak up for himself in a respectful way. Now, if you're pushing your child causes distress, which then floods the nervous system into distress, then they aren't aren't ready, then it's just too uncomfortable for them. And guess what? It can backfire and make them more dependent, fearful, and less willing to try new things. So that's why it's so important that you have an idea of when to push and when to provide that cushion. So when do we want to provide a cushion? We do it when they're facing an obstacle too big or a challenge that they simply can't address themselves. Something they truly can't handle themselves. So, another example that I can share with you is when another one of my boys was getting a lot of homework and he was finding it really difficult to handle. And it caused him a lot of stress and it also caused us a lot of stress too. I had to intervene with his teacher and talk about solutions for this homework issue because of the stress that it caused all of us. Yes, my son could have talked to his teacher on his own, but I needed to be there to validate him and to express how much it was affecting him and also question the teacher to see is this homework necessary? What is he what is the you know what is the basic of what it is that he needs to do? So here are some things that you can consider when deciding if you should push or or provide that cushion and these These different uh, considerations are from the aforementioned book, The Yes Brain by Dr. Dan Siegel. So first ask yourself, what is your child's temperament and developmental stage? What may seem like a baby step for your child may feel like jumping off a cliff. So they might need to take baby steps and offer them a bit more of a cushion. Or maybe your child could withstand a little, bit more com- dis- a little bit more discomfort and might need more pushing. What does your child need right now? Pay attention to how your child responds and what that exposes about their needs in the moment. Attune to their actual internal experience, not what you think they should be feeling. Right? There is no place for should here, not about what they should be feeling. Look at and attune to what they're actually feeling. And are you clear on what the real issue is? That's another consideration. Do you know why your child is resisting facing this obstacle and dealing with this particular challenge? This requires you to talk to your challenge and understand what the real issue is. Then you can help them problem solve, but make sure this isn't about you and your own insecurities, like, are you pushing them to do something because all the other kids can do it? Or are the other, or you think that, that your child should be able to do it? What's going on? Make sure it's not about you and you're really tuning in to them, not the judgment of others. You are currently listening to the Parenting Our Future podcast. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message and please don't forget to subscribe. And I would be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating on iTunes. If you'd like to connect with me, all my details are in the show notes. And for a copy of my book, go to yellingcurebook.com. Now back to the show. Another consideration is what messages do you send about risk-taking and failure? What we want to be passing along here is a life lesson that sometimes you have to face your fears and be willing to try and fail. So you need to look at yourself and look at is failure ever an option for you? Do you send messages to your kids that doing everything just right or perfectly is the standard in your home and they may not feel the freedom to do things wrong or have a mistake or color outside the lines if you will do you ever embrace mistakes do you ever embrace them as learning opportunities you know mistakes are a part of life and they're a shared human experience and that's often how we learn so think about how you how you handle mistakes and how you handle their mistakes now another consideration is does your child need skills to handle potential or inevitable failure. The goal isn't to protect your child from failure, but to build skills that lead to overcoming adversity. Like something being difficult doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. What I want you to do in this case is introduce the concept of yet. When your child says, I can't do it or I'm not ready, invite them to add the word yet. This promotes an attitude of possibility that offers tremendous power and plants the seed for your child that they will be able to succeed and achieve as long as they're willing to prepare themselves to persist and work towards success. One of the most powerful words that you can add to both your child's vocabulary and your vocabulary is the word yet. Yet is a little word that grows a growth mindset and is recommended to complete the phrase, I can't, I won't, it's not possible to. So maybe your kids can't climb the monkey bars or they can't skate on roller blades or spell well or swim. But if you put yet after all of these, it opens up a space of hope and encouragement. You know, yes, you can say to your child, yes, it's true. You don't know how to ride a bike. You don't know how to ride a bike without training wheels yet, but with practice, you'll get there. There's actually a really cute YouTube video from Sesame Street called The Power of Yet. So I'm going to put that in the show notes along with those lists of considerations that I just mentioned for whether or not you should push or cushion your child. So here are some ways to use Yet. When you say or your child says, I can't do this yet, This doesn't work, yet. I don't know, yet. It doesn't make sense, yet, and so on. You get the the idea, right? After all, there is a difference between not knowing and not knowing yet. I love that. One last thought on this matter, and I want you to think about this. You may feel totally justified in pushing your child to do something, but they're really resistant. What do you do then? Well, this kind of goes back to my earlier comment about making sure this isn't about you. Now, I get questions from parents asking me how to get their kids to do things that they need them to do, but their kids are refusing to do them. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Think about the things that your child is expected to do, things that often lead to frustration and arguments. Could it be that when your child doesn't do what you're demanding, that the problem isn't with your child, but with what you are asking of them? So I know it's kind of a radical idea, but stick with me for a second, and I'm gonna repeat that. Could it be that when your child doesn't do what you're demanding, the problem isn't with your child, but it's with what you're asking of them? And I know that there are a lot of parents because they reach out to me that are asking for solutions to how to get their child to comply, even without questioning the actual demand. Like, that's not a part of the problem at all. Parents are usually focused on rewards or punishments to get their kids to, reply, to, to comply. So, for example, parents will ask, well, how do I get my child to practice piano between lessons? Because it's such a struggle to get her to do that, and it causes so much friction. We're always fighting about piano practice. But let's ask this instead. If the whole process of playing the piano is excruciating for your child, why are you forcing her to take lessons? Is it for her? Is it for you? The result is a tug of war between you and your child and she might reject playing any instrument at all and hating or hating the piano as a result. Are you forcing her to play for some external reasons? Like you were forced to play as a child and you're doing the same thing to your child. Maybe you actually feel pressure from your own parents that your child should do just like you did. And maybe you feel like your, your child should play an instrument because it's good for them. Well, what if they don't? Of course, there are things that we expect our kids to do that are clearly reasonable. And it can be up for argument which ones belong in which category. But my main point is that before we go searching for a method to get kids to do what we tell them, we need to consider the value and necessity of our requests, especially if your request is coming up against resistance from your child. Now, please note, in everything that I'm saying, this is not an invitation for your child to walk all over you, in case you're worried that that's what I'm saying, I'm not. You are reinforcing In this case, if if you decide to drop piano lessons because it's just too much of a struggle, that you care about their feelings and needs and what they have to say. And in Peaceful Parenting, we look at a situation like piano practice as a problem to be solved or an opportunity for teaching instead of digging our heels in, being inflexible and making our kids suffer. Because that is something that might not even matter in the long run the the piano playing won't be the issue and your child may never remember how to learn how how to play piano again but they'll remember the fights the disconnection the arguments the pain that that caused so please give that a thought because we're all here trying to be more peaceful parents trying to get more harmony more connection and more cooperation I hope you found this episode helpful. Don't forget to check out the show notes for additional resources, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon, and if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe and if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and care.